Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to Star Wars Lads. Uh, we have a new Star Wars show to discuss with you all. It is the Bad Batch Season 3. We had the premiere last night, or kind of this morning at midnight, between for Episodes 1, 2, and 3. We're going to be discussing all of them here on the show right now. Make sure you send in your chats. Let us know your thoughts, your questions you might have on the episode, some comments if you want to give your review. We'll feature you in the episode and also uh let us know what you think of our opinions on the show let's have a nice discussion here for about the next hour or so about the premiere of the bad batch season three of course this will be a spoiler filled discussion so if you haven't seen the episodes you don't mind being spoiled stay if you are somebody who still has to watch the episodes make sure you go watch them and then come back to this video later that will be the ideal way for you to not have anything uh, revealed too soon for you. Uh, these three episodes were really solid, a strong start for the show here. And in a lot of ways, I think it gave us a good glimpse of what we will be having in store for the rest of the season. Uh, so we're going to structure this episode like we would normal Ahsoka reactions. Uh, we'll do our little quick thoughts here. If you watched the short I put out this morning, uh, you already know my thoughts a little bit, but I'm going to pass it over here to Sonic for his quick thoughts on what he thought of the premiere, and then I'll round it out, and we'll get to your guys' questions. Uh, if you'd like to support the channel again, Super Chat would be the best way. You're, we always appreciate that. Or if you just want to make sure you get a question in, make sure you do so. Um, other than that, without further ado, Sonic, you take it away. What were your thoughts on the premiere of The Bad Batch Season 3? Uh <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, for me personally, I really liked it, but I'm also like, was that just like a, a mini movie for us right there? Where is the next step? I wasn't expecting Omega and Crosshair to be out in the third episode or essentially the premiere here, right? So mm -hmm. that, that threw me off. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But at the, at the same time, pretty happy with, the fact that we got to really just get over the little hump that we had at the end of season two. I don't know if you guys were following us then at that point, but we were reading the Heir to the Empire trilogy for our Legends Book Club. You know, Mando season three, Bad Batch are all kind of feeling like they're synced up. And we're like, yes, this feels like everything here is going to answer. We're going to have a great, crazy season finale here for season two. And then we didn't. Uh, we ended up having a little bit of a saga rare situation, which is never good. And, you know, it, it was it was a little disheartening for us having read it, feeling like, oh, man, our predictions are so close. And then the carpet was pulled out from underneath us. But here I was like, OK, we're just going to make sure that we don't miss out on anything here. Uh, make sure that everyone's caught up. What happens on Tantus, especially with the first episode confined, being a really methodical look at that. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. I had a great fun seeing some of the camera angles and the continuously improving animation. Just a delight, as always. Uh, Pat's unknown. I know it's a little bit of the episode that doesn't necessarily connect between one and three, but I thought it was really important to bring back what remains of the Bad Batch. We got to see a slight commentary on nature versus nurture with some of these younger regular clone cadets and how like they reacted to Wrecker and Hunter you know, fighting for trying to do whatever's possible to save, save Omega. So I thought that was really cool. Plus, let's us dive into Hemlock's backstory there a little bit, what he was doing before Tantus, which, of course, was monstrous in its own way right now. 
whatever Project Necromancer ultimately is. Right. We've already seen a taste of just his delights, I guess, in that second episode. So big fan of that. Um, but third episode, Shadows of Tantis, obviously Palpatine, man. Like, it's great that we got such an important character immediately that tells you everything you need to know about how the season's going to get going. Um, just fantastic stuff. Uh, Nalase with her little tubes in that machine was literally like a click, a clicking clock, right? It was, it was a really nice symbolism throughout this premiere here. Had a lot of fun with it. I just, I just don't know if we're going to fall into that bad batch pattern of like now we're gonna have like another fun episode if if sid reappears i i don't know man next next week might be a little rough for me here because this was like a really nice serious start to this final season here i'd like it to be like you were saying in our short here liam serialized i'd like this to be a continuous story even if we're getting different perspectives it is like integral to the plot as opposed to Here's a fun little side mission and a quest we're going on here, right? I, I, I just don't want that again. And this was such a promising start. I hope it, it's like Omega and Crosshair focus, though. If we do jump into that next episode mm-hmm. on their way to getting with Wrecker and Hunter, I, I think that would be fun. Uh, I just, I just don't know if we're gonna be hit with a big side quest, especially with the second episode really starting off with. Uh, that Deveronian, I believe, is the species um, yeah. that we saw in season two and one of the weirdest, strangest side plots that we got from Sid and everything else. So I'm glad that the character is back, but uh, that's my worry there. You're, you're teasing that they're going to be important. So will they occupy that fourth episode's time? I don't know. I, I just want the Bad Batch as it is reunited with, with new member Batcher of all things, right? But you know we'll, we'll see how it goes great start just just a little nervous after the season two finale you know blindsiding us and just the format of these shows how how it's kind of been skewed toward its audience to be a little bit more episodic and right. sillier at times well it has that rebels feel more so than clone wars where clone wars you got arcs so pretty much every episode was important you might have filler arcs but at least every episode built on itself rebels as the highs were so high, we always forget about the middle episodes that don't really have it to do with much of the plot other than small character development. And that's what the bad batch has been. Um, I think a slightly less compelling version of that, but I have the, I have a different take than you after watching this. Like I feel more excited, <laughs> um, you know, for us with the bad batch last year, I think season one did so well for us on the channel when we were like nobodies that, I had a lot higher expectations for season two, both on the channel and just as a show. And I think season two took forever to get going. And then the highs were really high, but overall there were far less highs than season one. And it, it showed in, in viewership numbers as well for us. And so like in general, the show has been something I've been looking forward to, but not something I've been incredibly excited about. And after watching that premiere, I think, for me, there's a lot more hope and optimism, especially with the way the show is structured, that this will be something that at least contains something that's important to the overall narrative every episode. It might We might have those spinoff episodes, but without tech, without Echo and Rex being heavily involved, um, without half the batch, really, like we started out with the batch having five members and 
uh, plus plus omega. No, four plus omega, five plus omega with echo. Um, now we're down to two. <laughs> it's just it's just Hunter and Wrecker. And so I think that adds another aspect to it where this is not the bad batch. I think the first half of the season will be about reuniting. Uh, we're going to have the crosshair redemption arc be played off of Omega, which I think is really interesting. Uh, I think their odd couple pairing will work pretty well for the show. I think with the ship damaged at the end of season or episode three, even though they were able to jump into light speed, I could see them off somewhere where they can't really make contact with Hunter and Wrecker what I got after episode two, I was like, yes, this is perfect because I would have been completely happy with Tantus, Omega, uh, and Crosshair every uh, other episode. And then in the middle, we get Wrecker Hunter trying to find them until ultimately it culminates in something big. It's not going to be that exactly, but maybe we still have that kind of reunion plot where right now I'm looking at the schedule here. We have two more weeks of solo episodes before we initially get our first double episode of the season on March 13th. We have episode six and seven on the same day. Hopefully those are important ones. And if they're doubled, maybe that's the point where the, the plot turns. But for me, I thought there was nothing but optimism here um, after watching this premiere versus season two of the bad batch where it premiered and we're like, yes, can't wait to figure out what happens with crosshair. How do we, how do we build off of that last season? How do we build off of what the batch learned, the Camino destruction and then the first episode's about them trying to find Dooku's treasure. So, like, <laughs> that, it, it feels like a complete 180. You have Palpatine here. You have uh, Scorch and the other uh, Delta Squad clone commandos. You have Imperial Guards, Hemlock, Nalase, like, all these important characters. I just felt really positive about this, this opening. And I think this season, in general, is going to give us what season one started to look like it was going to give us and then delayed for a season and a half. <laughs> and that's the clone finale. Like we already have Rex and, uh, and echo name dropped here. We know they're a heavy part of the show from the trailer. Um, we'll get Ventress eventually, but this project ne necromancer, which I think will tie into uh, starting to answer your questions here. Um, especially this first one from David Fieldsen, who says, uh, does Omega now understand that she has midichlorians supporting blood like, will she realize what it means or did she uh, did she not understand what the experiments were about? Also, whose midichlorian containing blood was being added to the clone samples, Palpatine's themselves or like a captive Jedi? And, and that's, I think, all theory on Project Necromancer. And let's talk about that because Project Necromancer, I mean, just the name, right? Necromancer, somebody communicates with the dead, like bringing back the dead. In my opinion, what I'm, I'm starting, what my hope is, at least, and it would play a bit with Legends, um, with Tantus, which now we also got in this episode, the, the, uh, the I guess, I was going to say name drop, but it's not really a name. It's just like a, an idea of the Tantus vault, right? Which yeah. is a, the reason Tantus exists in the Thrawn trilogy, is it's a storehouse, a vault for all this technology and advancement and treasure from the Empire. It's like Palpatine's personal vault, and that's where he, that's why Sabaoth is there. The clone of him is there to protect the vault. What I started to think with Project Necromancer is, okay, let's take all these dead Jedi, all these dead beings, like we see in Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, in, in Fortress Inquisitorius. This seems like the Empire decided to preserve the bodies of a lot of Force sensitives for a specific reason. And in my opinion, 
it seems like Necromancer will be like, let's harvest the midichlorian counts, which by the way, just a side note, I wrote this in my notes. Uh, why do we need to call it M count still? Like it was a fun week at, wink and a nod when Mandalorian did it. But now it's like, let's just call it midichlorians. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows what midichlorians are. Midichlorians aren't as hated anymore as they used to be. But anyway, um, I think Project Necromancer is going to be us, us preserving dead force sensitives to harvest their DNA to try to create, uh, either bring back the dead or to try to find a way to inject those M counts, those midichlorian counts into clone bodies for Palpatine, like we're eventually going to see in the Rise of Skywalker. And I think that's going to play into why Ventress appears. Uh, but I don't know what your thoughts on that, Sonic. I thought, I felt like even though we didn't really, they were still hiding a lot of information here. We got a lot of, a lot of hints at what Project Necromancer actually is in this episode with like the first real discussion of midichlorians in the show. Yeah, I just want to note, David, we're going to finish answering this question before we get to your super chat. Thank you for sending that in. Uh, but I mean, I feel like you're on the right track here, both you and Liam. Like it, it makes a lot of sense for this midichlorian kind of combination stuff to be connected to what we saw a little bit in Obi-Wan Kenobi, what we've been hearing about in the Mandoverse, or specifically the Mandalorian. I I don't think, to answer the first part, I don't think Omega really knows the scientifics about it, right? She's she's kind of has a, a little lunch pail, right? She has her snacks and protein bars, right, or whatever. She's cleaning out the kennel. She's just holding some vials and giving it to Emery and Nala say she's she's not really like involved in science in the same way that I think maybe some of us thought she was a little bit more so you know pre-season one when she was whatever she was doing during the Clone Wars right or you know it, it just doesn't feel like she's the most scientifically knowledgeable because I think that would become very dangerous especially for a clone to have have an understanding of who you are right that's that's something that she doesn't really have a clue about but to not only have a clue about who exactly you are but then to know like how you're created how your brothers were you know modified and all that that would be very dangerous to know and be spread out there so no i don't i don't think she knows that i also agree with you liam i, I don't think the m count thing is necessary we could just say double the midichlorians instead of saying we're going to add the m count and then the yeah. m count on top of that doubled or something it's like it just feels like we're running around the word again i don't know why people are so insistent about like saying midichlorians can't be a word said out loud but it's, yeah. it's important right like we're basically saying it we're just cutting it out here yeah, um, or the prequel renaissance like you can say whatever exactly. you want about the prequels yeah. I good or bad just say it because there's just so much discussion there's just so much openness to you know really exploring that era having it have this like you said, renaissance, but also retrospective at the same time. So things that didn't work then now obviously feel like they've worked a lot stronger, especially with the hints that what they're going to do leading in, especially with a lot of the interviews saying they're going to like lead into a lot of the sequel stuff, be this big tie, this big bridge for all the different eras. Um, who's midichlorians? I don't know. I think Asajj is a pretty solid hint, especially if we end up having her kind of take place of the pseudo guardian role of heir to the empire, right? Uh, maybe she is the original you know, target. And once Dooku died, they're like, all right, well, you know, 
we'll just drag that body away and kind of use his blood. Maybe we'll use Asajj's blood. I, I, I just don't, I don't think she's alive, alive. I think the big point that the website article has been saying that they're honoring her death in the Dark Disciples. So having her be like this strange combination of different force users while still in the body would be pretty interesting to see, honestly. Um, that could cause a lot of problems for someone like Quinlan, who's still alive and has those feelings and all that. So, you know, that could be a really great arc to have in two episodes, you know, in three weeks from now, I think you said, right? So that that could be yeah. the Jedi. There's plenty of other Jedis that could be combined in here. I, I think a big point that this episode has been trying to say is that we're not really looking at Strandcast or just cloning per se. We're trying to like stack up total M counts within a pre-existing body, right? So I think that's a little bit of different angle at all this Star Wars science that we haven't seen before. So yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what the experience that we're about. Get the Jedi's blood or a clone's blood, stack them on top, see if it's like replicatable, right? Like that that's that's a big thing that they're really working on here. So yeah. Jedi, Quinlan, I don't know. It could just be other clones that have a little bit more affinity. An M count doesn't necessarily mean that you can use the force, right? I don't think Omega has distinctively, consciously, even maybe even subconsciously used the force. So it's yeah. a tough one. I, I think they gave us enough there that you know we're, we're able to chew on it, but I don't think they want us to really understand every little detail about it until we start meeting up with more characters and more plot elements out of Tantus. Yeah, and I think I, I think in general, um basically what the Omega thing is trying to say is that it's the unaltered genome of Django Fett that's working with the midichlorians. I don't think it's, uh, it's just the fact that the clones, the accelerated growth doesn't seem to be working, but I mean, I, I think there is something special about Omega outside of her just being unaltered. Like, I think there is something there. I mean, Nala say is obviously hyper protective of her. You could just say it's, a daughter figure. I don't think Omega is going to all of a sudden just be this force sensitive powerhouse. I wouldn't put it out of the question now, especially after the Sabine thing. Like I wouldn't put it out of the question that we can't make a character, especially when they're young like this. Like she's probably what maybe slightly older than Anakin was in episode one. And he hadn't used direct force powers, only indirect force powers. So I'm not putting it out of the question that she might have had some type of experimentation by the Kaminoans early for cloning um, with midichlorians, but uh, I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going for. I just think they are trying to say that now we've discovered there's an unaltered DNA sample of Django Fett that we didn't know existed, and nobody else knew that besides Omega, the Bad Batch, and Nala Say, and Nala Say didn't tell them, so now they need to go after her. Um, I think that's going to be an interesting plot, plot point. And then to get to your super chat question, David, uh, do you guys think we get a clone rebellion this season? And who does Hemlock send to retrieve Omega? Bounty hunters, inquisitors, assassin, clone, Vader. Both of those are great questions. I personally think we do get a some form of clone rebellion, at least hinted at. Um, getting to see more clones, even if they're young, but like getting to see young, early teenage clones in this first or the second episode. I think does hint at at least more clone involvement, more clone unification, how many clones are scattered about the galaxy. I mean, the empire just like 
left these guys kind of just sitting there and uh, <laughs> didn't really care, right? So how many clones have just been discarded and just gotten rid of? And, and you know, like, I think that could be something we see. Um, personally, I still have the theory that The Bad Batch is a show about The Bad Batch, and it's going to be built up to maybe what the next step is for the clones, and that's a follow-up show because it just seems like too much to have in one season. But I do think uh, I do think the Clone Rebellion is something they very much so want to do. A send-off for the clones, at least, is something they want to do. And even if we don't get to see a direct revolt, I do think we'll see some type of big battle at Tantus at the end of the season. Um, as for who Hemlock sends, in my opinion, you are going to get bounty hunters at some point because we see them all in the trailer. <laughs> um, Inquisitors would be very cool. Uh, the Assassin clones... I don't know if they would send them after Omega because they don't seem to be able to think as clearly. Maybe they, you know, they don't want to risk Omega getting killed. I'd love to see Vader, but I also don't see that. So uh, yeah, I think bounty hunters first, then maybe Hemlock himself with the the commandos. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the dream would be to send out Delta Squad. Right, that that'd be incredible. We've seen Scorch just be a glorified bodyguard, right? And you know, I didn't really have the same love for Delta Squad because I'd only like read about the game and seen clips here and there. But after having finally played it, I'm like, it's short, but I get why they're iconic. And this would have been a great place, especially after their one cameo in the Clone Wars, to really develop them. You know, kind of continue on the general storyline of them all turning to the Imperial side, following orders. And then, you know, when we saw that Kashyyyk episode last season, I'm like, oh man, we're going to have the whole gang reunited. There's going to be some crazy things here. And then also obviously have, you know, the the Padawans from the Clone Wars, all that Gunji and all that, right? But it just didn't happen. So I'm not trying to get my hopes up too high, right? I think I should have read. You can't see it, but I have the poster for season two. I should have read the tagline, the long road ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. I'm going to pace myself out here. I will say we will get at least a start of some sort of clone rebellion. I I just don't see, like, like you're saying, Liam, like a completion of a clone rebellion. It just... It's too much to ask, and it, right now it's it's a glorified cell at best, right? And they don't have anything more than some ships here and some weapons. Yeah. I guess they have the next generation of recruits if they ever want to take these kids who, yeah, you know, Hunter has been like, go enjoy yourselves, but maybe they want to join the fight and, you know, yeah. become the new version of what a clone can be but outside of this program and all that. That, that could be great. Um but I, I just, I feel like the whole story about the clones is about tragedy here. So even if there is a clone rebellion and it is still ongoing, I can see like the wind out of their sails being just completely destroyed, right? Like just be mm -hmm. completely removed. I can see a lot of what could have been like the first real rebel alliance just fall apart. Um, I could see the demolition of the clones and whatever clones there are. You know, it becomes like, let's just survive. We're like the Jedi now. We've had our own purge and the finality of it, right? I, I, I could totally see that. And we, we've got the CX clones, right? We already saw one. If you see through the slideshow we got here, we have a CX droid who's 
at the very least around these clones that are being experimented on being forced brutally forced to be trained in different ways um that it's it's very clear that <laughs> clones are going to be killing clones here too i don't i don't see it like that you're just going to outsource the job especially with how secretive tantus has been yeah. i think you start off with the cx stuff um we got a lot of great development if there's something a high point for me with the clone development in season two is definitely like clone assassins that was like a really cool point with that whole storyline on coruscant i could totally see that being that first step and then once that's not working then we get the fennec then we get the cad bane hopefully we get the boba fett and he gets to have a chance yeah. of connecting with omega and you know that could be its own like thread that starts connecting to the book of boba fett the future of boba and a little bit more of the dark times boba where he's going with that and all that I, i'd love to see like this darkness within him that we don't really see in the clone wars kind of come out because of what he's seeing the need to like almost reject so much of his past for another reason for survival here that'd be really insane to look at especially knowing that he has a sister right all of that would be great um inquisitors i don't know i feel like they're trained specifically for jedi situations we've seen that in the comics we've seen that animation in live action i'd love to see a tease of them i'd love to see like some stuff on tantus maybe used to like you know juice them up essentially give them like whatever steroids they need uh for steroids or something right but uh, i don't know i think it goes cx then it goes bounty hunters and then it all just gets messy from there yeah the only way we see vader is if palpatine dispatches him um oh, but boy. yeah i mean i think I, I think the battle of tantus that we could get at the end of the season back to the clone rebellion point it could be what used to be the battle of camino in the bad battlefront 2 like the clone v clone the final stand of what was the clone army versus the new clone army you know like that could be the spark right that sets up everything else i really do think we'll get another show clone centered i think that's what they want like we have echo and rex off doing their own thing like rex is a big enough character to carry his own show if the bad batch could carry their own show the wreck the captain rex can you bring back ahsoka for a couple episodes you could dive into the path you can dive into all these different things what happened to cody what happened to all these characters right so let's do that i think they're trying to soft softly set that up soft launch that show i think this season will be the full attempt at that we already saw one episode last season of them trying to do that I think this season will be that. And then maybe the spark. I mean, we did have a question. I forgot how long ago, but somebody asked, do you think the bad batch will die? I mean, I don't think they will. Um, but at the same time, what they do, their act, their actions, how they inspire the rest of the clones, how they inspire them to stand up for themselves. I think that's what the whole point of whatever they do at the end of the season will be. Um, and then we'll get more in the future. And it will be akin to kind of the Battle of Camino from Battlefront 2, 2005. Uh, thank you so much, David, again, for your super chat. We appreciate all everybody who sends in uh, financial support for the channel. We really appreciate it. it. helps us go on this channel. Keep it running like you, Toydarian. Dan, uh, it shows your message was retracted. I don't see I don't I didn't see what you had sent previously, so I can't answer it. But if you'd like to send another question in later, uh, we can answer that. We'll we'll pump yours up to the top since you mm -hmm. already sent a super chat in 
in case you had some type of problem there. But thank you so much for the support. And now we'll scroll back up to Batasai, the Manslayer. Hey, guys, good to see you. Lovely hour for the show. It worked a lot for me. Happy to be here. Glad it worked for you. We're trying to accommodate as many people as possible with this. It seems like this this Wednesday evening thing is is a good time. It gives everybody a chance to at least have watched the episode. I think, you know, this week it'll be a little tougher for people considering there were three episodes to catch up on when you get home from work or school or wherever you're coming from. Um, but hopefully next week everybody is able to stay on top of the show and join us every week to discuss uh, Batasai also says, I liked that it started right away in the sense that Crosshair and Omega are out of Tantus. We knew it was going to happen. I think it's good. First two episodes, we got time to know what the characters have been doing. My favorite was episode two. Could tell the difficulty was playing against the characters. Happy with young clones and their issues. The carnivore plants, Deveronian syndicate felt exotic architecture. Yeah, all cool stuff there. Um, I did enjoy episode two a lot. Like I I do like the idea of it switching off between two members of the batch that we, frankly, I guess Wrecker, I feel like we haven't just uh, gone through that much. Like last season was a tech and echo season. Wrecker really hasn't got his due, but you know, there's not too much you can do with him. He's a side character. He, he's a, he's a brute and co comedic relief. So like, I don't know how much more you can work with him. He did get his moment with the chip uh, Hunter. We've got a lot of them season one. I think it's going to be interesting to play Omega off of Crosshair now that like Omega and Hunter are so close. Hunter is more of your traditional good guy, your Captain America. Crosshair is the complete opposite. Crosshair is having a hard time accepting Omega, hard time accepting himself and what he's done. I think it's going to be really great playing those two off of each other. Um, but I did enjoy when I realized episode two was going to be a bad batch only episode. I don't want to say I was a little nervous at first but i was a little more disappointed not to continue with the tanta stuff and then when i realized they're going to each play off each other and be singular stories i like that idea so if they're going to keep doing that i really hope they do um just avoid sid and avoid everything else at all costs yeah i mean that's why i think it was so surprising for me that second episode ended up having some really interesting commentary about like the totality of having the clones be replaced. Like, yes, we, we've seen everything in season one and we've seen how the clones have been stripped of their identity with like the marks being removed, the type of missions they have to go on. Like a, a, another highlight episode of season two was obviously Cody and Crosshair working together. That's like a very serious episode and how they deal with insurgents and everything like that. But, you know, when you just see these two, especially with Hunter being kind of underdeveloped uh, in season two, kind of getting all of his season one stuff and then just being on standby and then Wrecker, you know, he has a cute relationship with Omega, but, you know, he, like you said, he's he's the brute, you know, he, he has some humor, but he's not going to really give us much. But I, 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 you know, I was, I was surprised. Like Hunter has a little bit more of like that strain on being that leader. You see him like literally as he starts off holding the bridge of his nose, like, He's been at this for a while. You can just tell. And Wrecker is like, you know, back in the day, maybe I'd been like, let's just rush into these missions. But he's matured too. He's like, I, I don't want to lose. I, I just don't want to lose like more people, especially since, you know, there's no guarantee that they ever connect with Crosshair and Omega again, right? He, he doesn't want to lose his last remaining brother. In some ways, I'm sure even though they support Echo, 
not having him be around has to hurt too because he was at least there for several very important months of the end of the Clone Wars. It's got to be tough, right? So when I look at that, all the setup with the characters there, I was like, is this going to be good? The villain of the episode is a bunch of like animated vines slash Sarlacc monstrosity with like little tripod legs. Very horror-esque, but... Looked like the Flood to me, the like little yeah. guys from Halo. Exactly. That's a great example right there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great comparison. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, no, exactly. All right, so like all, all those little details, I just didn't expect what how it started. But as you got more and more into it, I, I loved it. And I, I liked how there's also a little bit of dynamism with some of the clone, younger clone cadets, right? They're all st- slightly different ages. They have like their leader, Mox, or whatever, and he's... He's the one they like they defer to, but they're still independent thinkers. They're still trying to say their thing. Like that's what's innately special about clones, that they're all unique, that they all think through this stuff, right? You know, they're highlighting, okay, I'm I was the best at piloting back in commune and all that. And seeing how like just their built-in nature still like bleeds out and lets them develop, lets them still grow, even if they don't have the flash training and all that seeing that how much of the flash training stuff could have been the reason why the grand army of republic limited ultimately their relations is why it made it so easy for a lot of them once the chip was activated to discard identity discard like almost familial bonds seeing hunter and record really do their thing together and their reasons for coming after omega like that had an effect on them and i i really liked that second episode i agree this could have been a Sid-esque episode, right? You know, for lack of a better example here with the show, uh, where you're like, okay, they're on another side quest and oh, at the very end, we might've gotten some information. But no, like, yes, ultimately we did get some hints of like where they're going, but they don't really get Tantus-Tantus yet. They just get like a reduced scope. They're like, all right, we we can kind of head in this range. But when we get to see this being an episode where we're like, okay, we understand what the bad batch shows about it's about this family unit how they've evolved into being their own unique thing they're not clones other than just the fact that that's their genetics right now they're something more and with all these losses they've continued to evolve further and that is like you're saying like inspirational they might not necessarily all die but they might like retire and be like our fight is done we found our family we're going to keep on to whatever's left of it we're good, right? Yeah. And I, I like that that this is an episode where you can see other people also be affected by that and maybe take it their own way. Like we don't know if these clone cadets are just gonna be like brutally murdered off. But I hope that you know they just become other different people. You know, maybe they get some cosmetic changes and all that to blend in better. But they could we could have clones in the rebellion era into the new republic era who have given up being just known as clones seen as clones it'd be be awesome to see that and that's what episode two really heightened for me like everything that i think season two was trying to work on but condensed in a lot more like hey this is what we finally achieved with our unit here with the bad batch so yeah i agree badassai great episode Uh, i i also just like the design it was very 70s monster like it felt like it wasn't entirely smooth cgi um and that was more horrifying too, right? I've been getting really into like 80s horror and 70s horror and seeing what people were able to create back then. Yeah, I, I like that they leaned into that aesthetic as well. And it's 
something there's something there too there's a big thing episode two about uh the bad batch the the kids know them as 99s you know defective clones um i think there's something there about you know the defective clones just as 99 did in season two no two or three three of the uh, clone wars um the clone force 99 will do with the rest of the clone army they'll inspire them they'll help them push their themselves further than they ever thought they could and i think that relationship between uh 99s and rags that's something we're going to continue to see play out uh, again toydarian dan thank you again for another super chat that was uh very nice of you to donate a second time question is what is your prediction with what will happen with Omega by the end of the season? That's a great question. And I think this episode pushed Omega further than we expected it to, considering she's now the big thing that happens at the end of season two, being she is captured by the Empire, taken to Tantus. Now she's already escaped, uh, but more important than ever to them, where before she was a hostage. Uh, an ability, a bargaining piece to force an Alisane to work. Now she is the thing they need. Uh, she, once again, it's all about the hunt for Omega as season one was. So um, I think by the end of the season, I, there's no way Omega dies. <laughs> that would be absolutely shocking uh, in an in a animated show to kill the main child character. <laughs> but there's, so there's no way Omega dies. But I think what you could see here is Omega being, again, a symbol, some type of inspirational figure um, where Boba Fett really wants nothing to do with the clones in the Clone Wars or post-Clone Wars in Rebels all the way to now. Um, Boba Fett is the, the genetic template, unaltered genetic template, Jango Fett that wants nothing to do with the clone army. I think you see Omega turn into one of the leaders of the clone army. Uh, I think she will be an inspirational figure. I mean, she already has that that aptitude for doing the right thing, trying to help people uh, grow and, and find themselves, especially clones. She has like an ability to talk to the clones um, that not many other clones have, relate to them, compassionate, uh, which could be considered a, maybe a force sensitivity. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm not trying to start that yet, but we'll see, maybe. Um, but yeah, I just think Omega is going to be part of the group, one of the big key inspirational pieces that ends up pushing the clone story further into the future. Yeah, I, there's no way she dies, especially after getting like a mutt dog, right, called Batcher. She literally named It's also very cute to know that she doesn't have much like living experience outside of the Bad Batch. So yeah. the first thing that she's doing for like, especially because she can't have personal possessions until she makes her a little doll again and with straw and yeah. Emery finally gives it back. Right. It's she's domesticating that little like mutt creature and calls it Batchet, Right. Like this is like our, our, if I ever get back with my brothers, which she's so confident that she will, right. You know, this, this is like what kept me going. This is like the representation, you know, in a, in a way, she, just like how she tamed the bad batch and like made them all fall for her right in their own way she did that with the creature that she showed care and love for and treated well right i think the bad batch season one especially highlights that they're just it's not that they don't just fit in it's just that even like the regular clones the biases that they're programming or whatever like 
yeah, you might say like 99 as an example, but he might only be for the Kaminoan clones and some of the 501st, not for the rest of the Grand Army, right? But what Omega is like here with the Bad Batch, like healing their wounds of the rest of the army and their supposed brothers just hating them, right? She she did that with her now cute monster dog, right? And I think the design-wise, I think it'll translate pretty well into live action if they ever want to bring her and, you know, into the New Republic era or something. Um, I don't think if she's unaltered, right, that she'd have any, like, serious degradation or anything. So she could live a, quite a while. I'd love to see her be, like, a sort of leader, like you said, in, like, a clone army of sorts. That, But I, I don't know. It's I, – I want to go a different direction because I think ultimately Omega – makes decisions for herself and people usually fall in line that's kind of how the show has been operating in some of the sillier episodes you're like oh okay like everything worked out well because omega wanted it to but with how serious the season has started i think once she eventually like learns of what has gone on what why she's so important i i wouldn't be surprised if she tries while you know they're all fighting through the battle of tantus of like genetically modifying herself messing up her m count doing something that makes it impossible for project necromancer to really be completed you know something sometime during the dark times during peak imperial era right we're talking about project necromancer because it was really first introduced with brendel hux uh being told that he's getting a lot of money pumped into that project there during the shadow council meeting amando season three and that is decades later right so if they can't send if and i mean hemlock's been pointing out like i'm gonna send all my resources because the emperor says that i have all the empire's resources at his disposal why wouldn't they continue even if it's not necessarily hemlock all right to keep on sending everything that they got for omega i think at some point the only way to really prevent you know her being killed or extracted or something right is to just ensure that she, you know, she can't be used and Omega has her own individuality that she isn't confined in prison once more. And if she has to imprison away in some way, like the midichlorians that are so beneficial for Palpatine's plans and all that, I think she'll do that. I don't know how exactly. I don't know if we're going to have some forced shenanigans or something be involved. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about the season, but we're at a great start and the maturity that has been shown so far makes me think that Omega makes something that is just, it's a very difficult choice that maybe permanently alters her well-being, but ensures that she doesn't necessarily die, but the empire can't use her and imprison her and, you know, confine yeah. her once more. Well, thanks again, Toy Darren and Dan for your other super chat. We appreciate the support from everybody here. Uh, who is supporting via Super Chat and as, as well as everybody else on the channel. Uh, again, though, we have a lot more people watching that have liked the video. So make sure you've liked the video if you haven't yet. It really helps us out with the algorithm. So please give us a like if you haven't. Getting back to the top here, we got Batasai the Manslayer says, I hope we get more Palpatine during this season. If episode three was all we get, then I think it will be a bit underwhelming. They need to go deeper into Palpatine's plan post-Return of the Jedi. We have re uh, received hints for years now. I agree. Uh, we need more Palpatine. But I, I don't think I would say it's been, it would be underwhelming if he never shows back up. I think just knowing that his role in this whole thing 
is like it's so important like they are working directly for him to the point where he can actually show up and make in-person appearances to check on the progress like this is such a big deal that i think just by this one episode we know how important it is like i think we'll get the the plan revealed i mean i would be absolutely shocked if project necromancer isn't revealed by the end of the season i mean they already set it up for two two episodes like if they don't reveal it that would be a huge cop out um so <laughs> they're going to reveal something and i think just by the nature of how big that reveal is and the fact that like you said seneca carries all the way over into what we're seeing with the thrawn trilogy adaptation in the mandalorian and the new republic era um i think just by the nature of knowing that palpatine was literally directly involved overseeing it directly that to me is enough um to where I'm good if we don't see him again, but of course, you know, Palpatine, one of my favorite characters, uh, I want to see him show back up multiple times throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, I understand that he's been very limited in his appearances and it does really fit in with what Palpatine is, right? He's like a specter for a lot of people. They think, you know, he's still ailing from the vicious Jedi attacks and all that. And, you know, I mean, even if he is damaged, Palpatine's a pretty strong guy, right? He he plays into it. He he's making sure that everyone watching him is seeing only what he wants them to see, right? Everything else, like everything happening on Tantus, putting it on a stormy planet that literally starts off with the season crash landing a ship, right? He wants people to uh, to like you know be secluded, be contained, and only when he allows for it to be shown will it be shown, right? So. I think whatever we're seeing here with Project Necromancer, they don't really let us spend a lot of time. I put a, I don't know if you guys have seen the slideshow going around, but um, there is a picture when they're walking and it's panning down and you can see what looks like some like Sith ruins of sorts. Uh, runes, not ruins, <laughs> runes. Um, and I think there's already some like, all right, like there occult sort of things happening here with the technology. Um, it's very interesting when it opens up the, whatever these canisters or whatever are, it's bright white light. And when it, the whole room is like dark orange and, you know, very moody. I'm, 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 you know, we don't know what necromancer is. Obviously necromancy means raising up the dead once more. So I'm assuming it's got to do something with that. And, would be in a very immediate tie-in with what we see in obi-wan kenobi mm -hmm. but I, I don't know like I, I feel like whatever happens here like palpatine even if he doesn't show up all the time what we as audiences we're going to start picking up or you know are being explicitly told might not have to come from him right it could come from people like filling in i could definitely see hemlock with the repeated failure failures of getting Omega and Crosshair back, right? You know, wiping out the Bad Batch or whatever it may be, I I can totally see Palpatine start being like, "All right, you're going to talk to my assistant now." All right, you know, my assistant's assistant's coming, right? He, I feel like the more distance Palpatine creates, the more desperate Hemlock will start feeling. He's he is a pretty psychological guy. We've seen how he tries to kind of spin domesticating Batcher and saying like, "Oh, now the dog is." you know, domesticated and weak and won't be what we need to defend this space. Right? I could totally see Palpatine, another master manipulator, simply just be like, I'm just going to take a step away and see how you react. 
How are you going to handle this? What are you going to do to really get back in my good graces here? Totally can see Palpatine's influence, his aura there, right? And maybe Hemlock's desperation and, you know, the people working around him and Necromancer and getting a little bit more look, that concrete looks at that. Maybe that's how we learn more about what's being set up for Palpatine's, you know, clone body in The Rise of Skywalker. But do we need Palpatine again? I think maybe like once more this season, I'd still be very happy with twice. I think it's perfect. Anything more than that. I don't know. I think it starts becoming like, okay, it's a full pet project. Cause the guy's so desperately scared that everything's going to go wrong. He He's not, he, he has a plan B C D E F, whatever it may be, but I don't think he's really looking at this as like, this is what I need to ensure my survival right away. It's like, this is like a priority hemlock. Make it so, make it work out. And if your progress is good, I won't have to be around. If it's bad, just like in Return of the Jedi, I'll show up, you know, get you back up to speed. David Fieldson says, now let's say new Omega's blood would support midichlorians. To me, that indicates it's related to Omega's Bad Batch superpower. And that's an interesting theory. I mean, I think... I do think we're going to get something revealed to the point where like Omega is going to have something more than just being unaltered. Um, I think they, they convinced me in season one that that was it. Uh, but I think at this point, you know, you don't restart the idea of the hunt for Omega being the main plot point of the show without there being something truly significant about her. That's really important to not just cloners, but literal, what we assume will eventually be Palpatine clones that need a, a midi-chlorian level uh, to mix right with clone blood. Like that to me is something that, like that's another level. So we'll we'll get it revealed. But I, I don't know if Omega is going to ever have like full on superpowers. And even if they make her force sensitive, I wouldn't want her to be ultra powerful. I would want her to be, you know, have certain power levels that... Um, we're respectable within the Star Wars universe. Obviously, canon has been a mu much more baseline with like nobody's ultra ultra powerful. Like we haven't seen anybody do anything as crazy as something like Luke or Anakin can do in uh, or Palpatine in the Star Wars saga. But uh, yeah, I don't want her to become some tank. But we'll see. Looks like we got a. I don't know if that's a different currency or something clp i believe it is oh let me look up what that currency but is thank you so much for the super chat out of uh, thoughts on the organic chip cody seems conscious um the organic chip and is that something in this episode uh what do you mean like the chip that has caused order 66 to happen that everyone has um yeah like maybe, i think yeah. that's i think that's what's about the size meaning like um how cody kind of remembered everything he did uh, i mean we know in legends he he remembers all of it because there were yeah. no chips in legends um but in canon yeah from season two cody did seem like he was haunted by the things he had done but that's been also interesting discussion um about the chips and something I, I've been wanting them to clarify for a long time. I don't think we'll ever get it clarified or at least not in this show, but like what was the brainwashing of the chips, right? Like, cause most of the clones don't know they have chips. 
Um, so is it just something that like when the effects of good soldiers follow orders wears off, is it just something like a memory they had that like, yeah, I did something that I had to do, or is it, do they feel the effects of being mind controlled? Do they feel like their freedom was taken away? What is, what's the cause of all that? Cause somebody like Rex who had their chip removed or Wrecker, those characters have this like sense of dread about them, about having their, their free will taken away. So what's the perspective from a clone who's gone through that and then still has their chip and still is living with it, but never knew they had a chip, like something that controlled their actions. I want them to clarify that one day. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll be, that'll be tough, right? Like the whole way it's shown off with like the pre-order 66 with the bad chip arc in, you know, the fives arc, right. Of season six of the clone wars it is a trance it's like you're not aware what you're doing and then you have to kind of live with it once you recover and even that recovery seems like it's like you wean off of it right if we look at the canaan comics here uh captain styles and everyone are like we know what we did like it's horrible like the nightmarish reality of what we did to people who trusted us and you know the kid and all that stuff right like i i think i think to some degree they aren't conscious at the immediate onset of it it's just like you know you're taken over but as the you know the main objective is completed and all the secondary ones kind of start taking place here because there's no way that the ship is just like oh kill the jedi like you gotta like break down the infrastructure you gotta make sure that like you know other clones aren't doing anything or like you know other militias that you're working with or whatever start like firing back at you i'm sure there's contingencies on top of contingencies with the brain chip but once you know it starts weaning off once they kind of go back into what we see at the early bad batch where it's just guard duty and doing the right thing i I mean i I don't know it's i i guess they would be conscious of it like the memories would come back and like part of their dreams and a big thing about clones that i've always wanted to clarify is that you know they always have this dream of like or you know they always talk about like when you know, fives is dying and all that, like the nightmares are finally over. And they're always talking about simulations, the never ending war and all that. Maybe it was just like a precursor to, you know, the reality of like, no, they're not fighting an endless war. You're stop stopping a war and causing further chaos in the galaxy. You're killing everybody. You're a machine that can't stop killing. Maybe that's what's scary about it and all that. I don't know. There's layers to it. This could just be an entirely different nightmare, but I've always thought that there's something very interesting about how dreams are being used against the clones, uh, good or bad, right? And, you know, just seeing how we've had in canon with Fives and all that, how they've reacted. I'm I'm very curious if, like, Cody has nightmares and relives. That's, like, that's how when he finally starts reliving all the things that he did to Kenobi in Episode 3 and all that. Maybe he goes back, checks his file, and he's like, nope, I did tell them to shoot that. Oh, my God, this isn't just a dream. I... I, I like the reality of that that happening is yeah must be painful, but then you have got like uh, Champ Sandula, uh, what's his name? Uh, the clone with him, uh, Hauser. Hauser, yes, Hauser, right? Hauser didn't have a Jedi around. I don't think. I think everything on Rylad was like just Champ can handle it, right? Like we're we're good there. So does he have some sort of like secondary effect, right? That he you know, starts feeling something about, or like he gets 
like nightmares of what he's supposed to be doing, but he doesn't do it because he seems pretty well adjusted compared to the rest of the and the clone commanders that have been with Jedi's, right? So I don't know. I don't know how this organic chip works. That's part of its appeal that we don't really exactly know what it is, and it continues expanding on just what it's affecting. Um, but as far as Cody goes, yes, I think he's conscious of it, but not in you know the immediate moment maybe later it starts coming as like flashbacks it's like ptsd has nightmares that's when it starts like piecing together a puzzle for a lot of these clones and the idea of like your you know your dreams not being safe as unsafe as your waking nightmare that is your life right that could be another reason to say that man the clones have some of the most tragic stories in all of star wars absolutely I, i think a book would clarify it better like if you got in a clone's head in a book I think that would be really interesting. Scrolling back up, David Fieldson says, I would love a Rex clone cell rebel show. That would be awesome. That's what I hope in there do. I mean, next after the bad batch ends, they're going to keep this animation going for sure. It's just a matter of what they do next. Uh, David also says Wrecker was the voice of reason in episode two, telling Hunter to wait for echo for a couple days. It felt like it was, there was some growth there. Yeah. I think, I think he's matured more, you know, he doesn't see everything as a joke anymore. I think, um, that has or at least as like a easy challenge you know like there's he knows that everything is like what they're doing is important i think there's some evolution in wrecker in that where he's not having fun in war anymore he's like actually going through it um but i don't think we're gonna get the uh the wrecker episodes like we did for (laughs) tech last season um, where he has to go through on some emotional journey yeah i i I think the only way of looking at it is that it's the nature of losing tech. They didn't lose anybody in the Clone Wars. They added another member, right? And then to figuratively lose Echo and then to lose tech, because I think at this point he seems pretty dead, right? And even if he comes back, he won't be the tech that they know, or he might be like a CX clone or something like that, some some sort of monster, right? Like, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I it'll it'll be really interesting to see how Wrecker evolves in this final season. I'd love Wrecker to be alive, but he just seems like a great candidate candidate for dying for taking all the lessons from his brothers who have since been gone, and you know what he's picked up from the rest of them. I'd love for him to like you know have like their final battle of Tantus plan, like have something that's like super genius, but also everyone realizes the last minutes because he's making a sacrificial play right that only he knows about he's like yeah you know i'm not as dumb as i look it's just this is just how i enjoy like i, I kind of building off of like the whole anakin thing like you know I, yeah i'm making jokes to you ahsoka and her flashbacks because this is how we cope right maybe that's just a good way for him to deal with the fact that he's a monstrous hulk like clone and he's been sent on these crazy extraction assassination all of these sort of missions right and then having his whole life pulled out from underneath him must have been as tough, if not worse, compared to the rest of the Bad Batch, right? So I, I'd love to see him have like a final like hurrah moment there and, yeah. you know, be like, okay, wow, this maturation has been part of the show, but also he's always had the potential for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got another super chat here from, from Gein the Machine. Uh, says, how do you guys rank this season's premiere with the other two season premieres? That's a good question as well. 
Um, I think this one's more comparable to season one, where with three yeah. episodes, this felt like that. It, I mean, it was over an hour total of content versus season one was about an hour episode. Uh, season two had two episode premiere, but it was still, you know, that 40 minute range. Um, to me, I think season one's, even with the Kanan retcons that I don't necessarily love, that was like the best story. It was like a little mini movie. I got really on board with the show in that. I love the, you know, the crosshair turn. I love the connections to Revenge of the Sith. So for me, season one's premiere is still my favorite. It would come, season three would come in close though, because I think this is a great kickstart to this season. Um, it does feel like three episodes rather than like one mini movie, um, even if they all play across each other. Uh, but I thought this was a really great start. And then season two's was definitely the most disappointing because it just didn't feel like, it just felt like another Bad Batch adventure. It didn't feel like the kickstart to a new season. It didn't feel like the start of a new tone or a fresh take on the Bad Batch. It was just, it was more Bad Batch doing missions. And I thought that was significantly the weakest of the three. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's kind of funny that Liam, you're so much more positive about how season three has started versus me, where I'm like, yeah. I'm expecting something to go wrong. Whereas season two is flipped. I was just like, oh man, I understand this is going to be like yeah. some great character development here with tech, with Echo, right? Like how do they distinguish themselves instead of both being like computer geniuses? One is a literal computer. One is, you know, the guy who's behind the machine, all that stuff, right? So like, yeah, I, I really loved season two's premiere when it came out. Um, as the season kind of had its ups and downs, I was like, is this really not going to be an improvement on season one? I think it ultimately was because of its back half. But again, that finale doesn't always like sit totally right with me, even though it's so important. Because if it had like plot relevance, I think I would, like more so than it actually had, I think it would have been like, damn, it was all worth it, right? That long road ahead was reached, right? But no, we're, we're reaching it now. We're in the final stage of season three's premiere. It is bombastic, it, it is explosive, but it's also very serene, it's very calm, it's cold, it's rigid. Uh, it, it, it's got these elements that were there in the season one premiere, but you're more carried away with the fact that we're like, oh, we're seeing finally the lore that we've all kind of known about. Eventually the clones were just you know, told to like stand down, get all their paint strip, return to Camino, right? This, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know what they're doing on Tantus, right? I, Tantus has, yeah. really only been built up in Heir to the Empire. And we've had like, and I have I have theories about what other cloning Palpatine has been doing, especially around Emery and all that, right? But as far as like, okay, like season three starting off with Tantus, with this blood transfusion and all this stuff, like, I, you know, this is completely new. So I'll give it that. Season three is totally fresh. I had no real idea of where it's going to go. And it ultimately concluded things that i thought like hey you know like i was expecting that to be episode five or episode six of them uh -huh. escaping uh but season one's was just fun man like it's just like damn we're seeing order 66 affect them right like they they're they're 99 the clone force 99 nothing's gonna happen to them they're modified and right. then seeing crosshair kind of like start saying it and i'm like oh my goodness like yeah i'm, I'm never gonna love kanan comic being essentially that first issue being retconned away there but i don't know that that was if there's a way to convince people that you're going to watch the bad batch that was that was quite a start yeah no i agree <laughs> in a way like like you were saying like i feel like the reason i love season one and three's premieres 
both more than season two is is the fact of low expectations, right? Like it was the same thing for me with season with Bad Batch when they announced the show. You know, I enjoyed those Bad Batch episodes in season seven. I enjoyed the idea of Bad Batch that we got all the way back when they released the animatics. But it wasn't something I was looking forward to. I was like, this is going to be a, you know, a, a fun filler show just to have a show. Like, I didn't know what they were going for with this show. But then you see that first episode and you're like, wow, like if this is the what they're going with, this is the tone they're going for. If this is what they're exploring, I'm on board. And then I think with season two, I had expectations. <laughs> I was like, OK, I want to see them, you know, return to the main story and really push it forward after the destruction of Camino. And they didn't. And then season three, I'm like, all right, you know, who knows what they're going to do with this? <laughs> and it came out swinging. So, um, yeah, I think a solid start for sure. But thank you for your super chat again. Uh, we're going to go here for a little bit longer. So if you have any more questions you absolutely want to get answered, make sure you send them via super chat. Greatly helps out the channel. If not, then we'll hopefully get to your questions sometime uh, soon here if you're just sending them in now maybe in a future stream. We're going to be doing a lot more streaming here coming up in the future now that the Bad Batch and so many other Star Wars things are out to talk about, uh, including this next topic, which we haven't done a news roundup in a while, and there has been not a lot of official news, but a lot of interesting rumors around the Star Wars universe, especially with gaming. An unorthodox martial artist says, hey, Star Wars lads, did you guys see the recent leak of upcoming Star Wars The Mandalorian video game developed by Respawn? Yes, and that sounds it sounds pretty awesome uh it is so it is not the mandalorian show but it is a mandalorian bounty hunter first person perspective is the rumor and that sounds pretty amazing i would love it i'd love it to be a like a legit rpg as well um we've got our single player games we've got uh open world game coming from ubisoft later this year we have a lot of rumors different types of star wars games coming but we haven't had any new star wars rpgs in so long like make this a legit rpg make this character you could do the revan thing where like there's an official version of this character there's an official story for this character but you at least get to customize their look customize their armor customize everything about them and then you can also have the the canon storyline but i'm incredibly excited for what that could be um, if it is actually true and it does come out sometime soon. Yeah, I, I'm trying to, I, I, when I saw that it, it's not, not a lot of information, but I, I need to check this just to be sure. But I believe that it's not set during the Mandalorian era, right? It's supposed to supposedly be like late Imperial era, right? During yeah. the original trilogy, which dark times yeah or some, something like that right and they're like the possibilities of our favorite mandalorian showing up right that's that's kind of like the selling point but i was like oh wow okay like like i mean anything to do with like bounty hunting with mandalorian armor just makes me sad thinking about star wars 1313 because <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah i guess that would have been third person and the gameplay we saw wasn't of boba but once Lucas came in, he was like, this is the Boba Fett, like, dark time story. I would have been like, ah. So if, if they're if they're doing that, if, if this is somehow 1313 again, right? But maybe it's a little less Coruscant focused. Great. <laughs> I would love that. I just don't think it is. So whoever you have, like you're saying, it feels like a rep sort of fill-in. I think it's got to be, like, 
you you gotta like put in good like connections though if you're gonna bring in another mandalorian right because i don't want this to start feeling like the 70s marvel comics where there's just mandalorians that are all super capable but they've been kind of here all been kind of there or i don't want to essentially feel like the trainers that were there in the old legends days for the clone troopers either where it's like oh you know like there's these guys who are just been keeping the tradition super strong i don't think that's how it's going to be I, I i'd like to see you know what happens after the imperial takeover of mandalore happens i'd like to see characters that we know like bo katan all this and that but i don't necessarily want this video game character to become like crazy important and all that right there's there's a little discussion too going on i think uh, cameron monaghan was saying hey i'd love that be cal kestis in live action but it, it's got to be worth it guys like i don't want it to just be like an old name drop like oh i'm here with the team up it's like no make it a worthwhile story so whatever it's here this mandalorian character is keep it contained in the game have some fan service here and there but if you're going to make them a big player like they have to like be introduced in like the mandalorian and grogu or something right so it's got to happen like immediately right to get people like on board or, like this is another main mandalorian because you know we already got bo katan we already got sabine we already got din grogu right so we, we got the whole path right like we we have we we have a lot of a lot of mandalorians so if we're gonna do this just because we can have like a fun time playing as a mandalorian sure but as as a canon junkie i want this to be very distinctive and very clear about like why we're going with a new mandalorian in this time period right yeah and and that was my other that was my concern from a a non-gameplay standpoint for sure with the time period and i believe just the idea of this is basically like what the mandalorian was for tv shows it's that same exact idea but for video games right like we're not going to use boba fett but we're going to use the thing that's iconic about him which is his gadgets and his armor <laughs> and we'll just change it up a bit and make a new character a new mandalorian who has the exact same job they're a bounty hunter uh so then you know this gets back to the same thing of like is Boba Fett, at least with Din Djarin, he's after Boba Fett fell into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. So it's all it makes a little bit more sense for other Mandalorian bounty hunters to be out there, somebody kind of taking over that mantle. Um, but during this time, it would be the peak of Boba Fett as a bounty hunter, even if he was working exclusively for Jabba. Um, it would be Boba's peak as a bounty hunter. Why are there other Mandalorian bounty hunters out there? Do they all just become bounty hunters after... Mandalore falls and is taken by the Empire. You know, what's the difference between this Mandalorian and why the rest of the Mandalorians all stay together in Rebels and have different, you know, different states who are all loyal and vassals of the Empire. There's all that stuff that you would have to deal with from a story perspective. But in that same way where it was cool to finally see a Mandalorian kind of in their prime in the first season of the Mandalorian that we didn't get to see in live action with Boba Fett, it would feel the same way with the game, right? Like it would, it would be so yeah. cool to play as a Mandalorian in first person, getting to use the gadgets. It is it being respawn mean that they have so much experience with first person action, especially um, action in max and in, in like all the gadgets and wall jumping that you have in Titanfall. So like there's so much there from a gameplay standpoint that I think would work so well with a Mandalorian character um, from a story perspective though, it would be, It'd be interesting to see if 
why they would do this. Something much more interesting if it was like a full-on RPG, which I don't think it would be because Respawn hasn't really done that. But if it was, like, go back to the Old Republic. You know, instead of doing an Old Republic story from the point of view of Revan, do an Old Republic story from the point of view of the Mandalorians. Um, do Tar Vizsla. Do um, early Mandalorian houses. Maybe you're a Mandalorian recruit or a foundling who's coming up through the ranks of the Mandalorian in uh, the Mandalorians on Mandalore or on uh, Duxon or whatever you want to do in the Old Republic. Just that would be awesome, but you know, we're we're holding a, the whole Republic back for some other big project. I feel yeah. like. Yeah, um, and I feel like Mandalorians how they were treated during the Old Republic MMO and Kotor, right? They were they're side pieces. Now they're they're kind of they're kind of a big deal, right? Like we can't mm-hmm. we can't just let them be supporting cast, even if they ultimately are. They should have yeah. their big moment to shine, right? So exactly. I love Candorus, but he's not exactly like upstaging Revan at any point right so right. I'd love I'd love it to be more like Tales of the Jedi Mandalorians where they're like oh no they're going face to face uh yeah. you know with Ulic Poldroma and all that like that that's that's what I'd like to see more of their elevation being to if, if we're going to bring them into video games and if we're doing that time period it'd be great to see maybe like the civil war you know the Mandalorian civil war that's happening maybe seeing how Bo-Katan's father kind of becomes like or was the king, maybe we get to see how it all falls apart, or maybe what sets the stage for him to become the king, right? Kind of have this be like a prequel game before we eventually have the fall of, you know, the house Kree's, right? Like that that, that right. could be, that'd be, that'd be great. I, I'd, I'd love to see that. Dark times though, right? Like, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I want it to be worthwhile. I don't want it to just be just because we can. But at the same time, Respawn's done quite a quite a good job with these video games, man. Not just Star Wars; they can combine everything here. This would be a great game to play in a VR headset too. Can you imagine that? Like just jumping around, flying in your jetpack, using your, uh, you know, all the whips and everything. Like it, 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 it'd be insane. But again, if you're gonna do that, why don't you just let it be Boba, right? Like he, he's a character that has had such a weird evolution through canon and legends that like it's hard to understand him right people don't like book of boba fett's boba because they're like he's weak he's not really doing anything why is he a good guy and then even the show ends with him being like maybe i'm not cut out for this there's something else i need to be doing here right it's like okay i guess this was like a side quest of a season for you what's going to come next are you going to be cold-blooded again I i don't know i don't think so right but what is dark times boba like where do we go from the boba that we see in the clone wars that has this whole crew on Tatooine to being like I work alone you know I'm going to disintegrate people like all this and that but does he still hold those values of like you know my father was a Mandalorian all this and that like he's got a very confusing story if you make this a Boba Fett video game a la Bounty Hunter but you know first person with him having a story around it and then you know connect what comes before what connects what comes after I think that'd be great for the character I'm just worried it's just going to be a totally new one, uh, Mandalorian, and then we're going to be like, okay, well, should I care for him too much, or is he just like a video game character for this era, right? Like, ah, I don't know. It's it's tough to really be too excited about it when you think about it lore-wise, but as a video game, it sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty hyped for it, no matter what. Uh, but I, I mean, I agree. Um, why not a Boba Fett game if you're not yeah. going to make it an RPG? Like the only reason to come up with a new Mandalorian is to make an RPG. So we'll see. 
Uh, all right, so we're going to go for about another 10, 15 minutes here. So we'll try to get through the rest of these questions. If you have something you absolutely want answered, send it in via Super Chat. We always greatly appreciate the support. David Fieldson says, was the episode two beast a Dianoga or was it some genetically modified monster? It wasn't a Dianoga. That's for sure. I, mean, I pretty much say that for sure because it's those live in water. Yeah. Um, to me, what it looks like, it reminded me a lot of, of the monster you see in uh, the Umbara episodes of the Clone Wars. Mm. Um, the one that grabs uh, Tom Krell yeah. by the leg and, and the clones as well. It reminded me a lot of that. So it could have been the same thing. The other thing it reminded me of was it had like Rathtar type teeth, but Rathtar. with like a Sarlacc type body almost, like a pit style look like i don't know it was interesting but I, yeah it took me back to umbara uh personally yeah and like just adding to that i think the vines the way that they weren't like super fluid right reminded me a little bit of like some of the organic matter that we see in the trash compactor in episode four right i don't know like it it feels like you could say like oh they took some vines and Maybe they were working on strand cast designs, but by creating these monsters and splicing them together, right? Maybe that's like our first like hint at like what strand casting can be, what it holds for, right? But I I think it's just that they maybe dropped some chemicals on some vines and they're like, oh my God, what is going on? Because <laughs> it, it's also like, it's it's its own <laughs> ecosystem too, right? Like, because it has the little flood-like creatures acting as scouts too. It's like, okay. Is this like the what what we saw get like destroyed by the bombs? Is that just is that like the heart, or is that just another like lieutenant in this grander army? Right, we haven't seen the last or like the central brain yet per se. Right, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. It's it's already unnerving enough, and I'm glad we've moved past it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like somebody dropped uh, Ninja Turtles ooze on it. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> they came to life. Vatasize says, also, they gave Omega a puppy. They can't kill her. If we see her in live action, better have the dog with her. Nitpick is that I was hoping Palpatine arriving in the pre-Lambda shuttle scene in Revenge of the Sith. Um, they do have seem to have, like, it, it's not confirmed how much time has passed between season two and three, or just in general, how much time has passed across the entire run of the Bad Batch. And I kept waiting for them to confirm it. But every time they bring it up, like, oh, how long has Omega been there? She's been there a long time, Hunter would say, like, or too long. <laughs> you know, it's like, just say six months. Um, but yeah, so it does seem, though, that the Empire, I mean, we already see it all the way back into season one. Like, the Empire, Palpatine had this planned. It was like, nope, we're going to switch completely the designs of our ships immediately. <laughs> and, like, everything yeah. changes across the show. So I wasn't yeah. too surprised to not see um the revenge of the sith shuttle but uh in general um yeah i would like a little bit more concrete information about how long has passed in the show as with omega yeah there's no, there's no way they're going to kill her just even if she didn't have a dog with her but <laughs> but it would be cool to see her riding that thing if we saw her in live action yeah i mean <laughs> if we're gonna give a rancor for boba right might as well have yeah. a sibling have her own you know, I, I don't know how big these things ultimately get. I think it's more of like a Nexu like pet, right? Where it's like it's a little big, you can ride it as a kid. And once you grow up, it's like side by side. I yeah. 
if you guys look at the slideshow, there's that big like lion-like dog monster thing that they have with the glowing red eyes that they encounter in the jungle. Now that that would be something to like you know see grow into like a bigger monstrous like you know bear dog lion you know glowing red eyes like Thrawn too like oh my god that uh, that is a terrifying beast and I'd love to see that in live action. <laughs> Batasize says keep it up keep up the good work guys. Uh, my first ever super chat totally worth it. Thank you so much for your super Thank chat. You. Nikhil Madden says evening fellas. Evening, Nikhil. Something to kill. Um, Batasai says, yeah, sometimes they seem to be in a trance. Good soldiers, soldiers follow orders, but then they seem conscious. Then others don't. Kind of confusing. Maybe, we'll, hopefully we'll get a book one day, Batasai, or something that gives us an internal monologue for some clones when they're actually going through it. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get Nala's autobiography one day when she's, <laughs> she's freed from Mount Tantus, right? Or she's been writing it, and just before she dies, she's like, here, take this. I have that a would be a, research and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a cool like um, reference book. You know the yeah. way they sometimes do that, where it's like uh, the flight log or notes from Book of the Sith or whatever. You know, like first person perspective from Nalase about different cloning methods. Like that would be pretty interesting. They could yeah. put that out someday. Uh, David says it's it's like piecing together a rough night of drinking in the morning after you wake up. <laughs> See, and that's what it kind of seems like. It seems like it's the way they cope with it. Um, there might be some haunting memories, but there it seems like they all move on. You know, like they it seems like it's not the only ones who are really struggling with it are the ones who have had their chips removed and know they did something yeah terrible. Um, most of the ones we've seen, especially in the Bad Batch, just kind of move on. Um, so that is going to be something that we'll have to continue to track as we get more and more clone stories. Yeah, and it would be very interesting if, like, what if the clone rebellion is upended, not because, like, they aren't doing well, not because the empires, you know, completely destroy them or something, but we see that degradation in Tup's chip. Maybe that's what's the eventual outcome by having this chip stay, stay in your head. Eventually, it rots. Eventually, it makes you go crazy and berserk. Gives mm -hmm. the Empire more reason to be like, we well, have to kill all these clones. Right? You have to, all, there, there's something about their just genetics, their, their makeup that's like, okay, no, no. They're like a public threat now. You could have like mass executions, which admittedly a little too dark for an animated show but you know you can you can work around it you can hide some things the clone wars got away with a lot of war crimes so i would not be surprised if something like that could be hinted at could be like shown in a very artistic way definitely you, you could definitely do that and it would tie in nicely with old versions of cloning from from 90s legend stories like the idea of the degradation of their bodies the degradation of specifically their minds um, that's something I would I would can like to continue to see, um, and it could it could be a reason why most of them have died out by the time we get to Rebels. Batasai says I liked a lot when clones willingly and coldly decided to follow Palpatine's order, but it does make sense that after years of fighting alongside Jedi, they would need a little push. Yeah, and I agree. Like th there were some great stories about it, Battlefront Two, uh, the Republic Commando novels. There were some great stories about the clones mentality during order 66 and legends that 
were admittedly probably more interesting than the idea of mind control. But I do think the the chips and the mind control, it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> like, like it's hard to justify unless you add this element of like, they're bred to hate the Jedi. They're just secretive about it <laughs> from birth. Um, otherwise, it really doesn't make sense why all of a sudden, you know, this guy you never talk to, the, the emperor, the chancellor, it's like, hey, let's kill the Jedi now. And you're like, oh, well, I've been hanging out with Obi-Wan for three years, but whatever, just shoot him. Uh, that to <laughs> me doesn't really work as well. It doesn't make as much sense, but I'm, it makes for a more interesting, like, war, uh, 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 examination of war story and mentality. And, and, um, and what's the word I'm looking for? Like the psychosis of war. I think that's something that's fascinating, but uh, not, yeah. as, not as logical. No, I mean, I, I agree, like, in the sense that, like, legends, especially, like, with Tamora Morrison's, like, narration in the campaign is, like, we all knew what we were doing, but, like, we didn't want to say anything, like, we, we just had to go do our job, right? Like, yeah, it is somber, it is depressing, and it is, in some ways, darker than we've gotten filled out with books, with the animated shows and everything else like that, but... No, I, I like the I like the chip more because it really does present how much of like oh my god like how how bad this is how wrong it is, and when it ultimately does happen, it's not that like you know these guys are like fine like you know I I, I thought kind of was cool man I loved his negotiation kept a lot of us alive right I guess like maybe we didn't get a lot of action maybe I'm gonna listen to the emperor or something like really. I don't know about that, right? Like, especially if you're in 212th, if you're in the 501st, especially if you're in the 501st, man, like, who's to say that Anakin hasn't, like, gone out to, like, a clone bar, had drinks with the boys, just been, like, completely sloshed with them, be like, I love you, man, I love you, man, like, you know, just having a great <laughs> night with all of them, and, you know, even though he's insane, he does ultimately ensure that a lot of them are alive, that they're the most talented, most unique, most adaptable clones there, like, they feel their value, you know, they're bred for war, that they are individuals, they are all able to have a voice, right? Maybe the tooth is a little jealous that they all have to have the very prim and proper crew cut, right? But the five of force can have tattoos and just go wild with it or something, right? Maybe that's what causes them to be like, oh yeah, we're definitely gonna turn on Kenobi, right? But it happens with everybody, right? So it has to feel like there's something that's just out of their control, you know, like you look at historical examples of like people who've been forced to kill in war, right? Like even after a while, they're like, I can't do this anymore. Right. That's like innocent people. It's like people who've never done anything wrong to me. Why, why am I being forced into it? Right. It breaks down a person to kill, right? Like these clones already have to kill. Well, they don't have to kill. They have to, you know, just destroy droids. Maybe that keeps them sane, but they still have to fight other militias. They have to fight other CIS forces and all that. They have to see their brothers and all that. They already have enough struggles that if you're going to be like, no, but they were serious enough to say, like, I hate the Jedi. We're just going to keep it on the down low. I don't know. It just it loses its impact for me. And it worked before when we didn't have 2008 Clone Wars. But now mm -hmm. that we do, it's just, no, the chip makes sense. I'm loving what Bad Batch is doing to evolve that further. Again, yeah. like I said, with the younger clones, the nature versus nurture here, like, what do they grow up to be? Do they even have the chips in, per se, right? Do there are these chips being repurposed for something else? I don't know, right? There's there's so many questions and so much possibility here with them not having full control of themselves. 
and yet how they resist against that, right? As opposed to, oh yeah, you know, we just had to do it because we were told to from day one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we'll do one more question here and then we're going to log off at about 90 minutes. So thank you all so much for staying uh, for this entire stream. Hopefully you've enjoyed the conversation around the Bad Batch. So Unorthodox Martial Artist says season two premiere was the best because we got Mando season three and Bad Batch season two on the same night. We didn't actually get Mando season three on the same night as the premiere, no. uh, but the Mando season three premiere, we got Bad Batch. So maybe that's where you're getting confused there, but um, glad you enjoyed season two premiere. <laughs> and don't get us wrong. We, we enjoy watching a lot of Star Wars, but at that point there wasn't any 6 p.m. releases for live action Star Wars. So we were... We were struggling a little bit that first night. <laughs> Bring back 6 p.m. Lucasfilm. <laughs> Bring it back for the Acolyte. They have to. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, last one. Victor Lee Tapia says, could they tie in Omega's force sensitiveness, uh, force, force sensitiveness, force sensitivity uh, to Sifo-Dyas? Um, I don't really see where that would tie in unless, you know, we know... We have Sifo-Dyas's body was being kept um, by Sidious. We see it in the Clone Wars. We don't know how old Omega is. Maybe at some point they initially used Sifo-Dyas's blood to have those early midichlorians that they could have put into Omega if she does indeed become Force-sensitive. That could be a way to tie in Sifo-Dyas. Other than that, Sifo-Dyas would have been long dead by the time Omega was born um so i don't i don't really see sifo-dyas being there unless um he was the initial first person that maybe they experimented on omega with using midichlorians if it was through through him uh, but again there could have been plenty of jedi that they captured the use they could have used palpatine's blood itself because that seems to be what they want anyways is to try to create host bodies for palpatine um you never know yeah, it's he's more important because of he has these like body racking visions of the future that are so detailed and rich. Which you know, for Tyrannus, that's for for Dooku, right? That's not good news there, right? Even if they are close friends, um, I think that's why he's more important for. I'm sure he's got great force sensitivity and M count, midichlorians, whatever you want to call it, right? But I don't. I'm not really seeing the connection myself either. Um, Victor Lee Tapia, but if you're saying that Jedi's have been like harvested and you know maybe something slightly contaminated uh, Omega, maybe. But then that guy kind of goes against the whole point of the fact that she is an unaltered clone. And like you're saying, Casey, down below here, that it's oh she's she was just an accidentally force sensitive clone. Which you know we've had like fan fiction. I think we've had some legend stories like that. Yeah, I think that is a very deliberate, like simple thing to follow along. Once you connect all these other Jedi to what Omega is, uh, I don't know, it gets harder. You, you should have Omega kind of be that starting block for what Palpatine wants to do, as opposed to being like a middle piece of a journey, right? I, it just seems a little too unnecessarily complicated. and I'm, I'm not really sure what the purpose would be there. Well, we're, we reached the 90 minute mark, so we're going to wrap up our stream. Thank you all so much for joining. Sorry to Casey, Bessa, and David, whose uh, questions we didn't get to down below, but hopefully you enjoyed 
the conversation. Uh, come back next week. Same time. We'll be planning for around 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, maybe slightly earlier if that works better for you all. But let us know what you think about the time, about the stream, the whole thing uh, in the comments or in the chat right now. We appreciate you all coming in, and we definitely appreciate all the support via Super Chat this week. This was awesome for us. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoy our Bad Batch coverage the entire time. We'll be returning with predictions and speculation as well, so it will be like normal for our coverage of new Star Wars shows. We're just not doing uh, the video reviews anymore. We're just going to review it here on the lives. So we appreciate it. Thank you all so much for joining. Make sure you like the video. Comment your thoughts if you're watching on replay. Come back next week. And of course, if you're new and you're just finding us, subscribe. We will be covering every single week of the Bad Batch releases, as well as every new Star Wars show that comes out. Uh, we have the Elite Eight of the bracket we're doing right now is wrapping. Or that's starting tomorrow. So make sure you go to the community for that. We also have shorts releasing constantly every other day. We have new videos coming out. A lot of new video ideas coming here soon. Make sure you stay tuned for all of that great stuff. Thanks again so much for watching, everybody. We'll see you all. Uh, maybe we'll, may, we might do another live stream before next week, but we'll see you all next week for the Bad Batch if we don't see you before then. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next week.